Hi, my, my name is Dylan, and today our scripture reading is Luke 2, 8 through 16. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in, the, in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those who on whom his favor, his favor rests. When the angel had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. This is the, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, on this Christmas Eve, I have found myself getting a little bit reflective. You know, as 2020 is something that we're looking at in the rearview mirror, I have been thinking that many years from now, friends will be gathering together and we'll be talking about this year. And maybe even children and grandchildren will ask us to, to talk to them about what happened in 2020 for them. And, you know, several words mark this year for me. But one word in particular has stood out, and it's the word fear. This has been a year that many of us have been confronted with fear. If it's not the global pandemic and, and the vulnerability that all of us feel around our own physical health, there's also the swiftness of change that we've all experienced. From kids going to school to staying at home, for people working at home, to all these plans and expectations dissolve in a minute. And man, there's been so much change. And if we're honest, we know that many of the change will never go back to what it, what it was. And this kind of change provokes fear in many of us. If it's not that, it's also the fact this was an election year and how the news cycle seen perpetuate more and more fear as people were heading into the polling booths. If it's not that, it's also the fact that 2020 was uh, a, an awakening around racism in our country and and how that kind of awareness can provoke a lot of fear and how there's communities within our country who have been been struck with fear for generations and many of us have just become a more uh, aware of that over and over again 2020 has been a year of fear all around us now, um, I have often heard that the most common commandment we have in Scripture is the commandment, do not fear. Now, I'm not sure if that actually is accurate, but I do know that for thousands of years, this commandment's been coming to humanity for a reason. It's because we innately are prone to fear. It's just a part of the human condition. And here's the problem with fear is I think that fear is one of the greatest enemies to spiritual vitality for our own sense of health and well-being, for us to live on purpose with great meaning, that fear attacks all of that. 
And the problem with fear is that it's so incredibly deceptive. Because um, what, what fuels my greed, my, my temptation for greed? Well, it's fear of not having enough. What, what fuels my, my own desire of people-pleasing? Well, it's fear of rejection. What causes people to be prone towards comparison or workaholism or seeking more status and that kind of thing? Well, it's just simply not being enough. And on and on it goes. Fear is like this subtle reservoir underneath our life that's hindering our own sense of health and well-being. Even Adam, you know, chapter 3, maybe the second page of our Bible the thing that happens within him where after he uh, he falls into sin, it's an incredible thing just to see us, is that this response that takes place, God is, is walking through the garden. Of course, he knows where Adam is, but he calls Adam, where are you? And Adam replied, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. From the very beginning, fear was a byproduct of the fallenness and brokenness in this life. And not only did it enter into to Adam and Eve's experience, but also fractured their understanding of God, of who God was and their relationship with God. And so because of that, we find God over and over and over again saying, be not afraid. Don't be held in fear. Now, I find this interesting. <clears throat> Before the time of Jesus, many scholars believe that there is a period in which uh, God stopped speaking through the prophets and in many ways that he'd been doing for generations before. And God, for their experience, that God became silent. Now, this might be comforting for many of us as there's been seasons of our life where we felt that God was he had gone silent. God was present, but just didn't seem to be speaking the same way that God had been doing in the past. Now, the bad news for, for Israel is that this season of experience lasted 400 years. There is like this 400-year gap in which the, the, the speaking, powerful presence of God seemed to be distant. And what happens here in the Christmas story is that God broke that silence with a word to a man named Zechariah. This is actually the father of Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. And what broke the silence? What were the first words that were spoken, spoken to Zechariah were, was the words, be not afraid. Be not afraid. This would be a refrain that we will find all around the Christmas story. Uh, Scott Erickson in his book, Honest Advent, actually says that, that idea, be not afraid, is should be a legitimate substitute for saying Merry Christmas. I just encourage you to try that out. Next time someone says Merry Christmas to you, you go, be not afraid back to you, buddy. <laughs> See how that works. But the arrival of Jesus was an all-out war on the kingdom of fear. That Jesus's arrival, Jesus's incarnation, his coming to this world, was an all-out war in the kingdom of fear that's at power in this world. This phrase would not only be said to Zechariah, but would be said to Mother Mary, and even the unlikely cast members, the shepherds. We find in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Though we have gotten used to the shepherds being a part of our nativity set, it's pretty funny that out of everyone, just these random shepherds showed up for Jesus' birth. Not family, not loved ones, not people nearby, some strangers, some shepherds. And um, it makes me think, like, if that is the way it is for us reading this 2,000 years later, it's even more bizarre for the people in that day, in that culture, because shepherds were seen as outcasts. They were seen as people who were kind of um, the, the kind of other. They were just kind of seen as removed and questionable. Because, um, because of their work, they were not seen as spiritually pure. They were not allowed to enter the temple without costly and timely purification rites. So um, they were considered unclean. And because of their work was kind of outside society, they were kind of out there uh, in the wilderness by themselves. They were also um, not fully trusted. They were seen as suspect. Um, they, if, if you look back in that day in culture, Shepherds couldn't even testify in court. So these shepherds were not just strangers. They were actually a shunned minority. And God chose them. Very intentionally, God chose them. And I think the shepherds were equally confused. Because they were not on their way for uh, on this evening. They were not on their way to a Christmas Eve service. They were not, as far as we know, deep in prayer. There's no indication that they were seeking God or praying for a Messiah or wanting a holy moment. They were just keeping their business, going about their day, watching over the sheep in the darkness of this evening. And yet, in that dark night, God found them. God chose them. And something interesting happened. Uh, they... Where the glory of God surrounded them in, in the middle of their darkness, the glory of the Lord sh uh, shone around them, and they realized that all of a sudden they, they were in sacred ground. They were in the presence of the divine. And their response was fear. They became afraid. You know, as I talk with people, I have realized that people prim primarily have two different fears when it comes to God. The first fear is that God does not care, that God does not care about their life, that God is distant, removed, maybe because of something that they have done, but God has kind of backed out. God, God does not see them or care about them anymore. Um, and that provokes fear in people. Well, I guess I'm on my own. Um, and uh, that's, that's really challenging. But there's a second fear that people have with God. And it's not that God is distant or removed but actually is that God sees them, that God actually knows all of them, every thought, every action, every uh, ambition that they have, whatever drives them, that God knows it and sees it fully. And that sense of being fully seen by God can provoke fear in people. One question I would ask, ask people is, if God can fully see you, what do you feel like his countenance? What do you feel like his facial expression is over your life? And oftentimes people say disappointment, 
confusion. And that response is just like Adam hiding in the garden, afraid of being seen by God. But what we find in this story is that God met these shepherds, these unlikely ragamuffin outcasts, and in the presence of his, uh, of his, uh, of his sacred uh, uh, nearness, that something beautiful took place. Something profound happened. And the angel, this is verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So these shepherds surrounded by God's presence, they heard the angel say, hey, no, 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 this is not a time to be afraid. We have not come to condemn you or judge you. We have actually come with good news. And this good news is for all people, not just the elite, not just the morally well-off, but even for people like you, even the least likely, this is good news that will cause great joy for you. And so in hearing this promise, the shepherds were, were filled with, with wonder, with curiosity, with a sense of hope. What if this is true? I think the reason why the shepherds dropped everything and left was not only just to see this newborn king, but was also to see if, in fact, the words of good news for all people was true for them. Like they needed to know, they needed this to be verified, that God had chosen them. And so in finding Jesus, they actually found that these words were true, that God could even choose shepherds, outcasts, morally questionable people to be brought into the story of God's goodness. And to their joy, to the shepherd's joy, they saw them. They saw Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, I believe that they actually believed that God sees them. God sees them with a sense of delight, with a sense of hope, with mercy and love. In verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What began in fear through, through God's grace ends up with joy and ends up with worship. That's what, that's what we find the shepherds are being moved to out of God's grace on that original Christmas. And man, I think we need that movement in our life as well. We need something to move us from cycles and loops of fear where we feel imprisoned to it, to be able to be people of joy and people of worship. And I think that this Christmas story tells us how we, how we do that, how we get out of that. It's interesting that now we can, can pop the hood of our society and see like under what's going on within our lives uh, through very surprising means. One that means is we can look at what are the most commonly Googled or searched uh, out things. And, and out, of <clears throat> all, uh, out of everything that people have been looking for and how to respond, uh, in this cultural moment, a lot of people have sought out scripture. Like internet searches for the Bible have skyrocketed this year. And people oftentimes will type in a topic <clears throat> to find scripture verse to help them. Any guess what the number one uh, topic was? It had to do with fear. What do we do with fear? 
in the most commonly found verse, the most commonly searched after verse for 2020 was this, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How interesting that out of all the different verses in the Bible in 2020, that's the thing uh, that people have sought out. That, like, that's their lifeline, is this verse that's saying that same refrain of do not fear. But notice, it's not like um, like, like God saying it from a distance. Like, hey, quit, quit being afraid. Quit doing that. Like some angry coach uh, who's just telling a player to get up, dust yourself off, toughen up. No, what God is saying is, do not fear, for I am with you. I am with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to carry you by my righteous right hand. I mean, this is, this is the message of Christmas, is that we should not fear, for God is with us. That is the antidote with our problem of fear. And it's actually seen beautifully in this picture here. In this picture here, we see what God does with our fear. We have a picture of a lion, the symbol of power, of dominion, of strength. What else could destroy fear, right? But instead, what we find at the center of uh, the lion of Judah, the one who is all-powerful, what we find the very heart of God is that God drew near. In vulnerability in weakness, that God became one of us so that we would know for all time that God is here with you. That is what destroys fear. What we find in the, in the presence of fear in our world, there's only one thing, there's only one thing that can ruin the power of fear. There's only one thing that's like the antidote for fear. In John, uh, in 1 John, he describes it as the only one that casts out all fear and it's perfect love. Perfect love is the only thing that can destroy the kingdom of fear in this world. And that was the purpose and the mission of Christmas was that the all-powerful could actually begin to display what perfect love was truly about. And I love that God did not show us what love was from, uh, from a distance, not removed from us, that God did not just give us a concept of love. God did not just give us golden tablets describing how to love. But in Christmas, what we see is the great links that God goes to be with us, to love us with a perfect love, to be born of flesh and blood and weakness and in humility, so that by his nearness, people could experience perfect love. And that kind of love ruins the kingdom of fear in our life. That's not just something Jesus wanted to do 2,000 years ago, but that's something that God still wants for your life is that you and I would be able to experience that perfect love, that love through God's presence in our life. Pastor and author Will Williman was asked to summarize the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in seven words or less. That's a challenge, but in seven words or less, he was asked to describe what is the gospel, and I loved his response. It was this, 
God refuses to be God without us. God refuses to be God without us. Isn't that great? And on this Christmas Eve, I just want to be as bold enough to say this, that God refuses to be God without you, without loving you, without seeking you out, without pursuing you, that God is that kind of God, a kind of God who, who sees the presence of fear in our life and wants to liberate us by his perfect love. So on this Christmas Eve, as we pass the light of Christ to one another and, and embrace that for ourselves, may we actually hold hope that God loves us with a perfect love. And so friends, do not be afraid, for Christ is here.